0: Hi guys, it's me, Ty Poole, and I'm back and I have way more questions. Things like, what are animals saying to each other? Why is space so dark? What's the science behind bullying? This season, I'm willing to go where no 7th grader has ever gone before to find you the answers. Ty asks why. Rest your eyes and prepare your ears for all new episodes of Ty Asks Why.
1: This is a CBC Podcast. In December, an arrest was made that put Canada into the middle of a trade war between the United States and China.
0: Ms. Meng, what do you have to say to
1: the charges? I'm Stephen Quinn. Sanctioned is the complicated story of how and why Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou was arrested. How will this impact our lives and technology? Sanctioned. Subscribe at cbc.ca sanctioned or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to White Coat Black Art, the show about medicine from all sides of the gurney. This program originally aired in January and it was one of the most popular in the show's history. Not surprisingly, it's about food, specifically a diet that's still getting a lot of attention. Put the words keto diet into your search engine and scroll through a raft of jaw-dropping before and after images of people who've lost 100 pounds or more, sometimes in less than a year. Famous people are trying it too, like actress Halle Berry.
3: I swear by the ketogenic diet. What is that? It's a diet. simple. It's just no sugar and no carbs. And what you force your body to do is instead of burning sugar for fuel, you start burning healthy fats.
2: But the thing is, it's not just celebrities trying this way of eating and advocating for it. A group of Canadian doctors, some of whom you're about to meet, are also on board with advice that might surprise you.
1: I just recently posted a photo on my Facebook of my nine-year-old daughter having breakfast in Whistler, putting butter on her bacon. Okay, and I do that as a proud father. Uh, and and you have absolutely no concerns? Absolutely no concerns.
2: a diet high in fat, even saturated fat, and very low in carbs, even the ones we get from whole grains, fruit, and some vegetables. That goes against a lot of longstanding advice from experts. So where did this keto diet come from? You might be surprised to hear it was developed in the 1920s for kids with some forms of epilepsy, to control seizures. It's also been prescribed as a cancer treatment. The aim is to starve cells of sugar and introduce more fat so your body burns that as fuel instead, putting you in a state that's called ketosis. While the classic keto diet allowed just 4% of your calories to come from carbs and a whopping 90% from fat and the remainder from protein, versions now commonly followed have been tweaked, allowing for a somewhat more generous 5% carbs, 20% protein, and up to 75% fat. Now, there are less restrictive versions of the low-carb, high-fat diet that on a typical day allow you to eat 50 or 100 grams of carbs a day. An average slice of rye bread and just one potato would get you over 40 grams of your daily allowance. Oh, my. The diet is incredibly popular, though it has its detractors, especially those who promote more plant-based diets.
1: When you look at the arteries of people or animals that go on a ketogenic diet, they tend
2: to be more clogged. Like Dr. Dean Ornish, who call low-carb diets you know, an unsustainable fad that may be bad for your long-term health. Is
1: good, But, you know, you can lose weight in lots of ways that aren't very good for you. Smoking cigarettes is an excellent way to lose weight. You know, chemotherapy is a good way to lose weight.
2: thing is, those who've tried it say they've not only lost weight, some have gotten healthier enough to ditch their blood pressure and cholesterol-lowering meds and even insulin. Some have even been able to lose enough weight to get off the waiting list for hip and knee replacements. Those kinds of results, along with growing scientific evidence, are what intrigued Dr. Carol Loffelman, one of the founders of Canadian Clinicians for Therapeutic Nutrition, and her colleague, Calgary Dr. Miriam Burchuk, who is the group's scientific advisor. Both are anesthesiologists and, as you'll hear, Both were skeptics, at least at first. So, Carol, what brought you to this uh, way of eating?
0: So, I mentioned 2011, and in 2011, uh, I had a young family, and I was trying to shift some post-baby weight. So, I went to the medical literature, and I saw... A review uh, in the Canadian journals the best way to do it and so I did the best way. I ate a low-fat diet, I counted my calories, I hired a personal trainer, I worked out twice a week and instead of losing weight I put on weight and I was getting pretty frustrated. Uh, I was talking to one of my colleagues and what she said is that, uh, well you need to try the paleo diet And that's what she had been eating. And I said, paleo diet, come on, that's a fad. All that saturated fat is going to kill you. I can't do that. They specifically have an idea and a practice of not eating things like dairy. That wasn't going to work for me because my mom's Dutch and so cheese is a pretty big part of my uh, life. I started to look, look, what could be the science behind the paleo diet if it was going to be scientific? And I was reading the dietitian column in the national newspaper, and I did what you're not supposed to do. I went to the comments and read the comments, and there I saw (laughs) a Dr. Jay Wortman talking with another person about whether or not the article that everybody just read was based in science. Dr. Jay Wortman would come up with statements like, well, saturated fat actually is good for you. And I thought, oh, come on. So then I went to the medical literature and I used my medical degree and the way that I know how to evaluate studies and make sure I read the methodology and the results and not just rely on the abstracts and the conclusions. And everything that Jay Wortman and this other guy was talking about came out to be true. And then I went on a conference by myself for five days in a different city. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm just going to cut my carbs and see what happens.
2: And so how did you do it?
0: How did I do it? I took the middles out of all the sandwiches that were served at the conference. I uh, drank water instead of the juices that were on offer or the smoothies that were on offer and I didn't eat any of the desserts. I made sure that I ate some salads instead of the french fries. Anyway, I came home after those five days and my trainer was at my home the next day. And I opened the door to her to let her in and she looked at me and she said, what did you do? That is is the truth. That fast? She walked in and she said, what did you do? And the only thing that I did was drop those carbs. How
2: much weight have you dropped?
0: At my peak, I dropped about 24 pounds. I also started lifting really heavy weights. And so I stopped weighing myself because I'm sure I've put on muscle and I want to make sure that I continue to put on lean mass so that I age well. Uh, So I can't tell you what I weigh right now.
2: And along the way, you became a founder of the Canadian Clinicians for Therapeutic Nutrition, which is advocating for broader use of the kind of diet you took and for changes to dietary guidelines. But before that, there was another group, a closed Facebook group, where this diet was being discussed.
0: Who was in that group? So in that group, started off with four physicians who had been uh, either using it or really exploring and wanting a place to talk about the science, Share some recipes. How many are and, in it now? 4,500? Um, 3,500? <gasps> Somewhere. And they're all closer. physicians? They're all physicians in this one group, yep.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's a significant percentage of the number of physicians in Canada.
0: Yes. It's it's estimated to be about 4%, I think.
2: Wow. And uh, Miriam Birchick, you were part of that group too. How did you come around to this way of eating and discover the group?
3: I had struggled with my weight for about 25 years since I was a teen, Um, and I was a yo-yo dieter, so I had tried just about, every diet out there. It would take a huge amount of mental energy. And then every time I gained the weight back, then of course there was all the mental anguish around having failed and gained all Mm -hmm. that weight back. And then I would try again. And that's a story I think typical of most yo-yo dieters. In uh, 2016, a very close friend of mine, a medical school classmate told me about this Facebook group. So I um, joined the Facebook group. I followed the posts for a few weeks. I did a bit of reading on my own. My story is a bit similar to Carol's in that within a few days not that people looked at me and said I look different, but I felt very different. I am someone who is, who used to constantly be thinking about sweets, constantly wondering where I could get sweets, going hunting for them, especially uh, with my work. I'm also up late at night and that was the time where I felt most vulnerable to those kinds of cravings. So within a few days, those cravings were just gone. Um, What I also noticed is that I wasn't hungry. It was very liberating. Uh, I was really enjoying the food I was eating. I wasn't feeling deprived at all, which felt very different from any other diet I'd ever done. And then for me, most importantly, all that chatter in my head around my weight just went quiet.
2: You might have heard Dr. Loffelman mention Dr. Jay Wertman. He's a Métis physician in Vancouver who adopted a traditional indigenous diet 16 years ago. Which is essentially a low-carb, high-fat approach to eating. Wortman joined in on the discussion from our Vancouver studio. Uh, I want to bring in uh, Jay Wortman, and uh, Dr. Wortman has not been shy about his devotion and promotion of a low-carb, high-fat diet. And you came at this from a very unique place because of your Indigenous background. Tell me about that.
1: Uh yeah, my my mother's side of the family are Métis, like other Aboriginal people, we have a very um, high family history of uh, diabetes, lots of diabetes on on that side of my family. When I had my epiphany about low-carb, I was working in First Nations and Inuit Health for Health Canada, and uh, as you know, the diabetes epidemic in First Nations population is devastating. And it started to occur to me that this was due to their dramatic change in diet from what was a very healthy traditional diet in the past characterized by a minimal amount of carbohydrates. So I was able to persuade people to fund a study in a First Nations community there where we asked people to return to the traditional diet and and uh, if they couldn't do it with all traditional foods to incorporate market foods that were low carb. And uh, we had you know some very good results with that.
2: And uh, are they sustained results? How are they doing now?
1: Sadly to say, I don't think they are. When the study ended, uh, I thought that, you know, the people that had benefited significantly had enough information to carry on. But I think the reality is that most of them, I think, have have, uh, relapsed, unfortunately. And, And what about you? What impact did the diet have on your health? Tremendous benefit. I... Sixteen years ago, I had florid type 2 diabetes, all the signs and symptoms. Initially, I lost a pound a day for a month when I first did this. And I've sustained a weight loss of about 35 pounds now for 16 years. And I have normal, normal blood sugars, non-diabetic, non-diabetic blood sugars.
2: And your sense of well-being, your vitality?
1: I'm 68 years old. I work five days and two evenings, and I chase my nine-year-old down the Black Diamond Runs on the weekend. I don't think I would be doing that if I hadn't made this diet change.
2: You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, a look at low-carb, high-fat diets from the point of view of three health professionals who use the diet themselves and are trying to convince colleagues of its value in fighting disease. If you go to our website, cbc.ca slash whitecoat, you can find out how Dr. Michelle Clausen, a family physician in Calgary, counsels patients to eat low-carb, high-fat. And you'll hear from one of her patients. Now, back to doctors Jay Wertman, Carol Loffelman, and Miriam Burchuk. Just to put all three of you back into the discussion, I think I think a lot of people understand that we should be eating less processed food, less sugar, but they stop short at the idea that we should be consuming more fat, and that goes back both to studies and dietary advice that we've been hearing now for decades. As evidence for anyone who might not remember, I certainly remember this, how entrenched the message was around low-fat eating, I want to play a clip from an, infomer- from an infomercial featuring a 90s diet guru who I remember very well named Susan Powder.
0: It's about fat, because that's the thing that you need to know about in order to reduce the amount of fat that you've got on your body. So we're going to find out how to find fat. We're going to find out how to
2: cook with lower fat. It's not food that makes you fat. It's fat that makes you fat. Miriam Berchick, I want to jump in on that bit of wisdom and how it plays into the resistance to eating more fat.
3: There's a lot of resistance, and the resistance isn't only from the general public. The resistance is from healthcare professionals. I mean, that's what I was taught. I finished medical school twenty, <laughs> a long time ago, uh, and that's what I was taught as well. The proof, <laughs> the proof is in the low fat in the low fat pudding. People have been following that dietary advice, and and we're only getting sicker and sicker. So if you look at our type two diabetes rates, you look at our obesity rates, you look at our osteoarthritis rates—all these diseases that all go together—they've only been getting worse as people have shied away from fat and increased the uh, amount of um, sugar and of refined uh, starches in their diets. Doctors are supposed
2: to be espousing something called evidence-based medicine, and that takes us back to the science. So where is the science right now on whether more fat is good or bad for us, Miriam?
3: It's going to depend on what we're talking about in terms of what's good or what's not good. Just very recently, uh, a big study uh, was released looking at the health of Americans, and Americans really parallel our health as well. And they found that Only 12% of Americans were actually what they refer to as metabolically healthy. So 88% of Americans were metabolically unhealthy. And when they looked at people of normal weight, only a third of those were metabolically healthy. So being a normal weight doesn't protect you from being unhealthy. That metabolic disease is very responsive to a low-carb, high-fat diet. We've got lots of evidence that shows that in people who are metabolically unhealthy or who have this predisposition to prediabetes, diabetes, when you reduce your carbs and you increase your fat... All your markers of metabolic disease get better.
2: Carol, you wanted to say
0: something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say you know, there is controversy about how much saturated fat you can have in your diet. The experts cannot agree. And when you go back to the 1950s, at the studies that um, showed that a higher fat diet was associated with disease, it was never causal at that point. The idea became entrenched, and we sort of forgot that sugar actually tracked better as an associated marker or with disease and uh, some pretty prominent scientists in the United States and some politicians in the United States came out with the low fat guidelines And when we go back using modern ideas of evidence assessment, we can't really find any support for the original low-fat guidelines. And more modern and larger epidemiological studies that have been conducted by Canadian scientists out of Hamilton have shown that the higher saturated fat was not associated with disease, the higher fat was not associated with disease, it's the carbohydrates that's associated with disease in these large like hundreds of thousands of people.
2: I know there's people who are going to be listening who have a high bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol. You mean you mean to say they don't need to worry about the amount of saturated fat they eat?
0: The LDL question is also up Uh, for intense debate within uh, the communities that we read. We start to look at things like oxidized LDL cholesterol. We start to look at all the other markers that get better when you do a low carb high fat diet. And of course, it would be an individual's discussion with their healthcare provider what to do if in their case, their markers didn't go in the way that we expect and we see in other studies.
1: Can can I jump in? Uh, Sure, Jay. I want to share, first of all, an anecdote with you. When I launched into this, I knew nothing about low-carb. I just knew that it was fixing my immediate problem. I thought, I better check my lipids and the party's over. I I can't keep this up. So I did my lipids at that point and everything fell into the normal range. And for the past 16 years, I've continued to eat a very high-saturated-fat diet but extremely low in carb. And I recently went down to the States and got a coronary artery calcium scan, which I think you understand is a very accurate depiction of coronary artery disease. And I have a zero score, which is unusual in anyone my age let alone someone who's been doing exactly the opposite of the advice on saturated fat for 16 years.
2: You know, those, these issues that we've been talking about around, around fat remain a sticking point with some people, obviously with some scientists. Uh, we spoke to registered dietitian Courtney Patrick Quinn, and while she doesn't disagree with the basics of the diet, she worries about what people are actually eating, especially after she looked at a few of the recipes some keto support websites suggest.
0: I
3: looked at one and it was like buttered cheese for breakfast. Um, so there is the concern that you know when the diet is not well planned, that you are likely going to experience nutrient deficiencies because you're now excluding vegetables and you're excluding fruits, which again is why it's really important to meet with a dietitian or someone who is well-versed in the diet to be able to navigate the lower carbohydrate vegetables, the lower carbohydrate fruits, so that you're also getting enough fiber um you know to help with bowel movements and to promote good healthy gut flora so the concern is the individuals that that are relying on pepperoni and cheese and bacon
1: (laughs) you know what i just recently posted a photo on my facebook of my nine-year-old daughter having breakfast in whistler putting butter on her bacon okay and i do that as a proud father (laughs) Uh, and and you have absolutely no concerns Absolutely no concerns. She is, I,
2: she's growing, of course. Well, and, and, my and,
1: daughter is thriving, and I'm telling you, Brian, she kicks my butt on the double black diamond runs. One of the things that's becoming, it became clear to me is that everything we know or think we know is based on research that's been done in the general population that's eating a very high-carb, high-refined-carb, sugary diet. And when you go on a very low carb diet, it is such a profound metabolic game changer that you cannot extrapolate. You have to go back and look at everything through the lens of low carb to understand the significance of it.
2: Miriam, I cut you off. You wanted to say something.
3: I did. Um, uh, Ms. Patrick Quinn made the, the comment that if people are going to be doing these diets, they should be doing it with the, with the help of a registered dietitian. And that's really the work, the advocacy work that we've been doing with the CCTN is that at the moment, because low carb diets are not recognized as legitimate by the major health authorities Diabetes Canada, uh, Heart and Stroke, what ends up happening is there's just a void left and people are left with no option but to go to the internet and sometimes they don't get great advice there. That's really what we're advocating for is that this Low-carb, high-fat needs to be recognized as a legitimate uh, and effective option, uh, especially for patients with metabolic disease. Uh, And that way, we can um, instruct health professionals on how to administer this diet in a safe way uh, so that patients are getting all the nutrients they need, that they're medically supervised, especially for those who are on medications for high blood pressure or for diabetes.
2: Carol, it's your hope to get the diet more accepted in the broader medical community. Um, Is that an uphill battle, you know, when it's seen by some as a trend?
0: Some have called it a fad, maybe.
2: A fad, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It used to be a lot harder. We hear from our colleagues that not a day goes by that a patient doesn't walk into their office saying, I want to talk about the keto diet. So as more and more Canadians are finding this, and there are Facebook groups out there for Keto Canada with 30,000 people on it, we want our healthcare providers to be able to answer the questions that are brought to the table and to um, have the ability to form a well-constructed low-carbohydrate diet. The reason we want to do this is that we think we can save the healthcare system because the hyperinsulinemia that Jay just talked about or the insulin resistance that comes with that, it has ties to all of these non-communicable diseases that doctors previously just sort of diagnosed and looked for a treatment for. Now we can tell doctors that if they institute these kinds of nutritional therapies, they can eliminate the root cause of all of these seemingly very different diseases. If you can control one of the inputs into these diseases, then you can bring patients back towards a more healthy spot.
2: I'm getting the sense, though, that there's a fair amount of pushback. Uh, There are some doctors who believe in this way of eating who didn't want to talk to us about it on the record. Miriam, do do you get pushback from your colleagues
3: at all about being outspoken about this diet? Uh, What I would say is that the resistance seems to be falling away. It's clear to the entire medical community that what we've been doing up until now just isn't working because people just keep getting sicker. And what we present when we present this low-carb, high-fat, diet is it's an alternative that's based in science. Now I think those healthcare providers that are bound by their organizations and by the guidelines put out by their organizations, they're anxious about breaking ranks. Right now there's probably nothing more contentious, well there's politics and then there's diet.
2: Dr. Jay Wertman, as a person who's been at this the longest, do you think the needle's moving in the medical and dietary community? I do
1: actually um you know over the years I've uh, I've been invited and given a lot of presentations in I've also had an opportunity to teach in the med school the the audience are more and more interested and less concerned about it I do think that in our medical community there is a, a bit of a grassroots effect driven I think frankly by a lot of the work that Carol has been doing and Miriam and through the social media but you know one of the things I say to our colleagues when I get the chance is that it doesn't it seem odd that when you consider that the most fundamentally important thing a person does about their health is what they eat, how much time does a physician ever pay to this issue with a patient? I get a lot of new patients coming in and I ask them, has a doctor ever asked you what you ate before? And the answer is almost always no. This is one of the things that I find really odd that our uh, profession basically abandoned the most important aspect of a person's life that contributes to their health status. The Facebook group is private, but now it's public.
0: 4,500
1: physicians. What do you hope that that accomplishes?
0: Uh, I hope that more physicians who maybe have listened to this and have an open mind come and see what we're talking about. We are talking about the science. We're debating the science. We're Talking about the um, things that you need to look out for to do this safely in patients, and the physicians that are doing this work, they find a joy in uh, medicine that they have not had before. They used to have nothing to offer many of these chronic complaints, these patients who um, seem to get sicker every year. Patients are very thankful for these physicians as well. That's what we're hearing. Thanks
2: to all of you for speaking with me.
0: Thank you very much.
2: That was doctors Jay Wortman, Miriam Berchuk, and Carol Loffelman. This show originally aired in January. After it did, we heard from many of you. Some of you had praise for the low-carb approach, while others were skeptical. But a lot of listeners wanted us to give equal time to an alternative way of eating, a plant-based or vegetarian diet. It's something that Canada's Food Guide gave a nod to when it relaunched a few months ago. So, next week we have the surprising story of two physicians who've brought plant-based eating to an unlikely place, the Buren Peninsula, a rural outpost in western Newfoundland. We're going to hear from them and one of their patients. Here's a preview.
3: First and foremost, I've lost a dramatic amount of weight. That in turn has helped my knee, and it doesn't swell as much anymore. It's a dramatic change. I would say within four or five months so that I could manage to do what I wanted to do in, in life, basically. I also have irritable bowel syndrome, so after the first week, I saw a dramatic change in that. I didn't have heartburn anymore. I, I threw away the Tums, put them in the garbage.
2: You can hear more about how that patient, Beverly Leg went from living on fast food and frozen entrees to a plant-based diet next week. And that's our show for this week. We'd like to hear from you no matter what you eat, email us at whitecoat at cbc.ca. I'm on Twitter at NightshiftMD and the show is at CBC Whitecoat. We're also on Facebook. Whitecoat Black Art was produced this week by our senior producer Donna Dingwall, with help from Jeff Goods, Sajada Berry, digital producer Ruby Buiza, special thanks this week to producer Michael O'Halloran in Calgary. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week.